0: And so the question I want to plumb this morning from our text is this. Is there an extent or a limit to God's being able to restore us? Are there things in life that can be so destructive that we can't ever recover from them with God's help? And so today, with a little help from some toys and a whole bunch of mixed metaphors, I want to explore God's ability to restore us. If you have your body, please turn to Psalm Psalm 46. And we will read from there. From the director of music. Aren't these nice? I found these in our drawer. I, I actually, Bill, aff, Bill offered me his reading glasses. And I realized how much further I have to go with my eyesight. I, I think they were, those were magnifying glasses that he put on his head. Which I guess what they are anyways. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he's brought on the earth, he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is God's word for us this morning. I think the most important, one of the things we have to realize from this text is that we all fall to pieces. God is a refuge an ever-present help. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall to the bottom of the sea, now, I'm not sure of the context of this psalm because it's a little bit difficult to totally understand it. It was the sons of Korah who put their heads together and wrote the song. Does anybody know who the sons of Korah were, historically speaking and biblically speaking? Does anybody remember number 16? The Israelites are where? They're in the wilderness, and it's tough, man. It is tough. And within the the Levitical tribe, because there was a tribe of Levites who they were the priests, they were the middlemen, there was a little bit of a quarrel. And there was an uprising against Moses' leadership. And one of the men was Korah and Dothan or Dathan and another guy. um, And they came to Moses and say, you are not leading us properly. And this made God mad because God made very clear. And the earth literally... Split and the sons of Korah and many others in the uprising were swallowed into the earth. Now, are the sons of Korah literally these people of the Levitical tribe who are grieving the death of their father? Don't know. A lot of people think that these Psalms actually were written probably more in the post exile of Israel. Whatever the case, something bad happened and there was a community grieving it was a big deal. And the sons of Korah are leading in worship. All seemed to be affected by this tragedy. All were shaken up. All were broken up. People were falling apart. Now here's the thing that we're taught by Psalm 46. One of the most important things we need to remember and need to be reminded of is this. Because of the curse of sin, we are not, nor will we ever be protected from the fallen and menacing nature of this world. The natural world is unraveling. It has been unraveling since sin entered it. The human species, in case you haven't noticed, is unraveling and has been doing so since sin entered the world. And, brothers and sisters, our Christianity is not going to protect us from that. I'm sorry. Now I have a a box here of Lego. That's right, Lego. I like Lego. It's a bit of a stress reliever. Sometimes I buy it for myself around Christmas time. I will put it under the tree and it will say something like to dad from dad. I'm a little bit of a narcissist. My kids make fun of me. And then they have jealousy because of how cool the set is. <laughs> Just kidding. But Lego teaches me a lot about life. And sometimes it even teaches me a lot about God. Now, there's a universal rule about Lego. There's a few universal rules. A, it's expensive. It's expensive. If you ever bought it for a grandkid or whatever, or your own kids or yourselves, you'd be like, what? Really? It's plastic. But here's the other universal rule about Lego. Okay? I'll put it up here. It all falls apart. Now, you could be a type of person who glues their Lego together, which is a little bit bit psycho. But the reality is Lego falls apart. And if you have kids and you have Lego, you know that. Sometimes you know that in the middle of the night when you're going to get a glass of water in the kitchen and you go, ow, it falls apart. The really, really cool sets fall apart. Like the Lego police station that we got for one of our sons for Christmas. Oh, it was so cool when it was together. Dad, this one's never falling apart. And about a few minutes later, all you see is poor little policeman with heads falling off. Strewn along the carpet. (laughs) One of my favorite sets now that is in ruins was the electric commuter train that I bought for myself, for my kids. It was remote control. It could speed up and slow down. And now, all we have is the box. <laughs> I See that my kids enjoy this. Okay, shh. We don't talk about mega blocks. It's the same with this life. Sooner or later, we all fall apart. The earth around us will open up. The mountains will fall into the heart of the sea. In this life, Jesus said, you're going to have trouble. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Maybe it's a health condition that blindsided us, or a friend that betrayed us, or the love of our life that ended things, or the car accident that maimed, or the business that tanked, or those memories of abuse that seem to grip on us tighter, or the family that split No matter how neat and tidy our lives become, at some point we're going to fall apart. Amen, the end. Great sermon. No, that's the beginning. The second thing we realize from this text and the testament of the Bible is that because we have God with us, we need not struggle alone. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You know, one of the things the Psalms teach us, and if you aren't in the Psalms, I'm sorry, but you do not know how to pray. If you are not a student of the Psalms, you do not know how to pray. The Psalms teach us how to pray. They teach us how to grapple with God and grapple with life. Have you ever noticed how janky the Psalms can be? They don't read like a Hallmark card. They sometimes seem rough and coarse, sometimes even disjointed like life. Sometimes they even seem irreverent in their honesty and boldness. But overall, they emphasize, above all, that God is in the mix somewhere. He's with us. God is in it. We don't always know how. We don't always know why God allows these hard things, but He's in it. So in other words, these blindsides and muggings of life, they don't need to be faced in isolation. You don't need to struggle alone. Notice the us-ness of this text. The Lord is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You don't have to struggle alone. In the midst of all the pieces, God is there. You know, sometimes your brokenness and your unraveling is a result of your stupid decision. And God's with you. Sometimes it's a sin that you've done. And God's with you. Sometimes it's someone else that blindsided and mugged you. But God's with you. And sometimes it's just the result of a broken world. See, this is such an important thing to highlight because our nature and even our cultural trend is to go it alone. T-shirts that say, you've got this. Beast mode. I got this, man. I got this struggle. So this this past week, Jill and I were talking to a neighbor, uh, and he's a firefighter. And he works in a city much closer to Vancouver. And he says, you know, we used to never get these calls. One of the more common calls we get now is not fires or car accidents, but overdose deaths of people just like you and I, who use hard drugs to deal with silent struggles. They haven't let any other people in. He says, sometimes we go into a house, and the wife will be sitting there sobbing, saying, I had No idea. What is it about us that we think we have to fight this stuff alone? That we have to try to pick up all these pieces alone? That we have to put ourselves together? God, says the psalmist, is an ever-present help in trouble. All present. All with us. All the time. Makes me think of a guy named Jerry. Not this Jerry. But another Jerry. Jeremiah. Prophet. You ever read Jeremiah? Jeremiah. Have you ever tried to get through it? Sometimes I think I have a hard life. And then I read Jeremiah. He was a prophet. Now, you think, a lot of people think prophets, oh, prophet would be cool. You predict the future. Hey, next week you're going to fall off your bike. No, that's not what prophets did. They didn't predict the future. They called people to their past. And all the while, when Jeremiah's at his job, everybody is forgetting God. And they're becoming like everybody else in the culture around them. They're picking up the idols again. They're committing injustice, immorality, ungodly alliances, the whole bit. And all the while, if you're a fisherman and you like fishing analogies, Jeremiah is the only fish swimming upstream. And he's saying, turn back, turn back. Sounds like a parrot maybe, a parrot fish. And no one's turning back. And he's swimming upstream. And all he gets in return is mocking, laughing, laughing. In a visit to the king's pit or cistern. It's where they put prisoners. It'd fill up with scorpions and snakes. But he's doing the right thing. Don't matter. He's falling apart. So we read this in Jeremiah 17. Listen to how they talk about me. So where's this word of God? We'd like to see something happen. But it wasn't my idea to call for doomsday. I never wanted trouble. And this is the verse previous. You know what? You know what I've said? It's all out on the open before you, God. Pick up the pieces. Put me back together again. You are my praise. You see, here's what the sons of Korah, here's what Jeremiah, here's what the Bible testifies to. You don't have to go it alone. Stop going it alone. God's with you. Open up to him. This is absolutely the first step to redemption, maybe even the second, other than knowing this stuff's going to happen, is God's with you. He's a refuge, which leads us to the last point, and I think the funnest one. We have a God who can put us back together again. Be still and know that I am God. Refuge, stronghold, fortress. These are some of the most prominent and powerful image, images in all of the Bible. Maybe not for us because we don't have strongholds here. But so much of ancient life was chaos. Nations rose up against nation. Tribes fought tribes. Where's my wheelbarrow? Oh, the somethingites took my wheelbarrow. And they took all the, oh. Oh no, here's the Moabites again. They got all the spears. Here we go, honey. God, honey, I gotta go and fight. Think about this. Half of their lives were lived in the dark. Half of their lives were lived in the dark. And a lot of things that happen in the dark aren't good. They were always being exposed to the harsh elements of creation. There was no, Uh, this is the Jerusalem weather channel. Uh, Tomorrow we have a deluge in the Galilean wilderness. They didn't have that. It was all unpredictable. Life was unpredictable. And man, could that get you weary. There's a time, you can read this in 2 Samuel 5. David is being chased by Saul. David is being promised the kinghood kingship. But all the while, he's being chased by Saul. David knows where to go. And it says in 2 Samuel 5, he lived in the stronghold. See, the stronghold is where, bedraggled and exhausted, you could rest. You could be restored. You get your energy back. Fortresses were impenetrable. And so big, you could get lost in them. There's always lots of water. In fact, there's a there's a fortress outside. If you ever get into the promised land of Israel, you'll go to a place called Masada. It's this big fortress that was used through centuries. Big cisterns full of water. You had water. You had food. Soldiers guarded the gates. It was a place to be restored. If you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you might be thinking of a place called Rivendell. Is anybody a Lord of the Rings fan here? Rivendell was an elven retreat and it was a safe haven. And maybe you've watched the movie and it's, there's waterfalls everywhere and the temperature is perfect and all of the weapons are left outside. It is safe, man. It is a safe place. Bilbo Baggins described Rivendell after visiting it. He said, it's a most perfect house. Whether you like food or sleep, this is where all the parents are like, oh, son or storytelling or singing or just sitting and thinking best or a pleasant mixture of them all. This is the essence of refuge. This is the picture hearkened by the sons of Korah as the community they led in worship had fallen to pieces and it is the picture of God. It's the picture of the God who can put us back together. The God alone who, no matter how fragmented or fractured, can give us rest and peace, refuge and renewal. He is the God who can put us back together again. Kind of like me and Lego. Grant's getting weird, Pastor G, getting weird. Well, listen, now my wife, I think, thinks I'm a little bit of a loser for liking Lego. (laughs) But I find that God speaks to me through it. And I want to show you how. See, my mom works at a thrift store, like many of your moms. And sometimes I'll say to her, hey, mom, keep an eye out for some really cool Lego. Because, you know, sometimes some deplorable people who no longer love their Lego send it there. And so I want to work some redemption into the life of these little Legos. And I'll say, hey, if you see a bag of Lego, get it. We'll see if we can put it back together. So my mom says, no problem. She's pretty good at that. Now, and that brings me to this set here. This is set number four seven seven nine. This came into my home in a big giant plastic bag. It is, it is not something I recognized when it was in the bag, and so I went, and I thought, I looked at all the pieces, and I thought, well, this kind of looks probably like it's from a boat. So I went online, and I was like, Lego boat, rah, 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 rah. and sure enough, I found the d- color scheme and all that kind of stuff. And um, I found the instructions online, and I started putting it together. And wouldn't you know it, almost all the pieces were there. I mean, it's cool. Look it. I'm going to geek out for a second. Look at that. Doors open. Cars drive up. Beep, beep. And you know, when you're home all alone or with other people, you make all the sound effects. And then the back opens. The cars get out. There's the bridge up here. That's Right. I redeemed it. This is number 60046. Can you believe someone threw this away? You can buy this on Amazon for $300 now, but I will give it to you for $275. (laughs) You can open up the back. The door's open. This is the survey. This, too, was in a heap. And some of the pieces were missing. But guess what? I have pieces. In fact... One of my kids took the prop off and stabbed his sister with it during the church service. Don't worry, he's in trouble for it later. It's in here. I have enough pieces that I can restore it. Look it. There ain't no Lego I can't put back together. What's the point? What is this weird minister talking about? There ain't nothing God can't put together in your life. Now hear this. I'm not saying God's going to fix your family. I'm not going to say he's going to make your business turn around. I'm not going to say that everything's just going to go awesome for you. What I'm saying is we have a God who can put us back together. Amen? That's what we believe. This is the hope that we have. This is the image of refuge. We can go hide in God and he can put us back together. What does Paul say in 2 Corinthians 6 14? Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Not by chance, not because we do the certain thing, because the living Lord is amongst us and with us. And you know why? It's because what we celebrated earlier. Because we have one who unraveled on the cross. He even said, he, 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 it broke him. It broke Christ. It broke Jesus in a way we will never know, for all the sin of the world was on him. But then we realize and understand that by God's power, Christ broke the power of all that. It couldn't hold him. It says in John 21.5, the promise of Christ is this, I have come to make all things new. And so for those of us here who feel like we're unraveling, Or we're totally unraveled. Or your kids are like, Dad, you're like unraveled. Which my kids have never said. We have a God who is a refuge, a fortress, a stronghold. At the end of the psalm, the sons of Koras, the sons of Korah exhort us to go and spend time with him. They say, be still and know that God is God. Do you know that? When's the last time you've been silent before him? When's the last time you've just allowed him to just give his presence to you? He is the God who can restore anything. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you, God, for going the distance for us, for being broken for us, and we also thank you, Lord, that the powers of this world, though they buffet, though they slam us around, God, they cannot take us. You have us. And so we ask, God, that you will restore us. For those especially, Lord, who are uh, um, struggling silently, like no one knows, no one knows the thoughts, no one knows the pain, O Lord, give them the courage to struggle with others and struggle with you. In your name, amen.